Hi everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop, the best of July review part 2. Because the last episode I knew would be so long, I decided to just do some girl group celebrating in a separate episode. So here we go, some of the best girl group releases of last month. And I'll link to part 1 of this two-part episode in this episode description. New Jeans, Get Up! In the episode called All Things New Jeans, I broke down the many reasons it comes as no surprise why they are so, so popular so early in their careers. Why out the gate they really, bad pun intended, got the world's attention. They continue to show that appeal in new ways, though, with this EP. One of the many smart marketing moves they've made is releasing a video for each song. It just really gets excitement because there's a teaser, a build-up to a video release like there is for an album. So to repeat that build-up for different singles, then releasing a full album, the rollout was smart. So people have ended up talking about new jeans pretty much all summer and constantly for a new reason. The song ETA has been everywhere because of that Apple ad that we will surely get sick of eventually. It's everywhere, at least for me. That song is a very classic new jeans song in the way it's loud with the horns and stuff, but it's also quiet with the way they sing, understated. They sing about the spotlight without sounding confident. They sing about confidence without sounding like it, while sounding more shy, which is the appeal of super shy, the song that has them being kind of flirty and quiet, but they're leading a freaking flash mob. So people talk about that video and song because of the TikTok ready moves. So we got a choreography that helps with marketing, an Apple ad that helps with marketing on top of marketing for the song and Apple. Then there's New Jeans, the song, with the Powerpuff Girls theme. Literally, like, they become Powerpuff Girls in the video, really tapping into the summer of nostalgia we have with Barbie and everything. Then they mark it with a classic summer Coachella-style hippie elf core, angel core, fairy core mixture for this scrapbook aesthetic and just a dreamy, out-in-nature, floral aura for ASAP. Where again they show a contrast, a hurry-up-let's-get-together message with a very chill, we-are-super-just-cool-taking-our-time demeanor chilling in the field, like we've got all day. Then there is Cool With You and Get Up, which was part of the Cool With You B-side. If you listen to my Lay Seraphim dedicated episode of the show, you know I'm obsessed with the story of Eve and Psyche. And a lot of other mythology and fairy tales and all that fantastical stuff. But the Cupid and Psyche story is equally hilarious and fascinating to me. So I was so excited to find out that New Jeans had a video with a picture of Eve and Psyche in it. A painting as part of the main story. So for the full fun breakdown, my take on the story and the whole Sparknotes version, check out the Lay Seraphim dedicated episode. But today, I just want to point out some other notable details worth reflecting on, the symbolic value of the new Cool With You video and the A-side and B-side versions. Before the symbolism breakdown, though, I do want to highlight another key marketing success of this group shown through the A-side and B-side videos. They perfectly mix familiar, classic new jeans and something different. This time it is the same format, A-side, B-side, as before, but the difference is the focus, where the members themselves are kind of like omniscient narrators. They are the angels that literally, from a balcony, look down on the main character, but they're not themselves the main character. They just watch what happens. The main character is played by the wonderful Ho Yun Jun. 
in the A-side, she starts out in this all-black head-to-toe outfit, like lawn fabric, and she walks behind, on this busy street, this woman in a light-colored outfit, white, off-white, whatever. She gets in this elevator with the woman, and this guy joins them. She leaves stoic-faced as the woman and man start making out. Then she sits by herself for a few minutes at this cafe. Then she carries this black umbrella and walks past a New Jeans member walking the other way. Almost like a fairy godmother cosplaying as a human moment. Same with the waitress at the cafe being a member of the group. She then goes to an art museum and sees the Cupid and Psyche painting. She stays after the tour group leaves, so all that is left is her and this one guy, and she follows him into the elevator, onto the bus. She keeps just staring straight at this guy, and he either doesn't see her or ignores her on purpose. It's very clear, though, if he has the ability to notice her presence, if she's not a ghost or something, he will notice her. She is in his face. She later goes back to the museum alone, stares at the painting again, while those angel characters watch over her. The video is pretty G-rated. I mean, the painting has some nudity, but so does a bajillion works of art. Besides the painting, there's no nudity or anything in the video. And it's just alluded to, but not shown, when she basically see the clothes pile on the ground as she walks into the rainy, dark night air. Stares up at the sky, it pours rain down her face, and she's cleansed, basically. And for the first time in the video, she smiles. The B-side video starts right where that leaves off, with her still in the rain, feeling reborn. And the B-side video shows a back and forth. Scenes with her, scenes with the members dancing. The members are now performing in front of that painting, in the now empty exhibit room. She knocks on his apartment, reconnects with this guy, but now she's changed. So after this rebirth, she now has curly hair instead of straight hair. She wears a short, light-colored floral dress, and she smiles instead of just coldly staring at this guy. And that leads to them having a relationship, holding hands in public, being truly happy in each other's company, and being very present in the moment. So they go on cute dates together. In one scene, he waves to her from across the street. They're on parallel sidewalks. She smiles and waves back. Then her face falls as this mysterious guy looks at her. Like, she looks really scared that he's onto her that he knows her whereabouts. What that's all about remains a big question mark, but she's scared at his presence and his evil smirk as this happens. I also got nervous watching that scene, just knowing Big Hit Entertainment and the looking at each other from across the street implication. I totally thought one of the characters would get hit by a car. That is not where the plot goes, but I would not have been surprised if there was an accident. But anyway... They slow-mo start to walk towards each other, but then the scene pivots and it's her back at the painting watching the angels. So this is the first scene where she is there with all the angel characters, all the New Jeans members dancing for her. But she doesn't interact with them. Mid-dance and turns around, leaves again. That's it. So there is so much to unpack here and so many details that are ambiguous. What I find most interesting, though, everyone could have different details they pick up on that they find most significant from the video. 
To me, the outfit change is one of the biggest details. That she went from shoulder to toe fabric in all black to a white dress that was super short, relatively, and straight to curly hair. Just the total opposites. Then she had a blissful time with her date. She changed for a guy and it paid off, is how I interpret that. But then, it's not a happy ending. There's still someone ready to critique her lurking. The fact she never has an actual conversation with the Angel characters, the New Jeans members, also seems notable. That they watch over her like guardian angels, but they never overtly interact, interfere in her life. So that could be a statement about people can look out for you, but ultimately they shouldn't control you. You are still in control of your own destiny. That is not mutually exclusive from getting a helping hand, someone to make sure you turn out okay. There's the fact the umbrella she carries is identical to the one a new jeans member carries. That might be meaningful, maybe not. The woman making out in that elevator, I think that was about just lawning. I mean, she was following that woman into her office building to start a day of work, like a dark shadow just following her. And to me, I interpret that as she's trying to, she's envying her. She envies her and wants to live this normal life like her, a normal version of success where she just goes to her job, has her boyfriend visit her there, etc. But in her life, she doesn't feel like she has that stuff and that she can be the main character in the story. She just feels like a shadow, a ghost, watching other people live these ideal lives. I think that's what it meant. Of course, there is the chance a lot of details were left in there just to psych you out, just to lead you down the wrong path and really were just nonsense, no deeper meaning. But knowing this company, I feel like there was intent here. I usually do pat myself on the back for my theories about music video universes and stuff. You know, I get super into the lore, but I must admit I totally messed up my theory about new jeans. I viewed them as being the hype-affiliated artist that would be the most grounded, the most focused on just realistic fiction as opposed to abstract art inspiration. Obviously I was wrong, although they do go to the down-to-earth demeanor and stuff elsewhere. But these two videos, very much in the world of abstract art, in a way that I've now come to expect from Hybe artists. So I really hope there's a follow-up, because this was so to be continued. I'm really thinking about it still, which I really like. I like when a video really leaves me in thought. Like, what does it mean that she she kind of let that guy win who was trying to keep her apart from the other guy? She let the intimidation scare her into being alone. But she also kind of learns I don't need help. Like, she doesn't feel like she has to stick around to see her guardian angels show her how the magic happens. She feels confident enough in her future to not see it, to walk away, embrace the surprise instead. I don't know. I'm still really thinking about it. But well done. Well done. Itsy, Kill My Doubt. They also did a good job marketing this album with pre-release videos. The videos really help with the excitement. And it was smart they started with the R&B, lower key than expected, musical twist for them with Bet On Me. They released None of My Business, showing a more cavalier attitude too. Then they went for high energy classic Itsy with Cake. Full of la-la-las and sound effects and horns, chanting. The itsy like that chant at the intro, that is so classically them. To start a track with that kind of everybody get ready pep to it. And it's got a good message about the album title really, Killing Your Doubt. Treat life like a piece of cake. Everything is super easy to handle. It's about a mindset shift. 
That classic itsy energy remains with the other tracks, Braddy, Psychic Lover, which has the coolest guitar instrumental, and Killshot, which is the best song. Killshot was wild to choose as the finale. I mean, I get why they did, but it has so many qualities that make it a perfect intro. Not just for the album, but just like walking into a room. Intro for yourself. Like, their son 24 hours walked so Killshot could run. It's way too short, but it's great. They are in control of the steering wheel on a wild, unconventional road, and I love every second of it. Misamo, Masterpiece. This twice subunit impressed me with the distinction. They didn't go for the classic, youthful bubblegum pop we've come to know from twice. They really focused on a more sultry, mature image. And I love that they just went fully into the concept with this work of art premise. Like in the video for Do Not Touch, they're literally the artwork. Like, do not touch, preserve the art. Posing on literal pedestals, rocking these beautiful embellished outfits, dazzling sparkly accessories, these colorful stained glass windows behind them, giant fancy hats and other statement accessories, cosplaying as some sort of biblical painting, and the end inside this picture frame, posing like they've just been on this wall the whole time. They stay very committed to the assignment. The songs match that too, that moody, lower-tempo, R&B, sultry vibe that would go with just looking at art. At least just compared to the bubblegum stuff, this tone matches better the idea. Like, this art museum theme would not hit the same with a classic Twice soundtrack. It needed a separate Misamo soundtrack. They have great harmonies in It's Not Easy For You. Behind the Curtain is a really fun one. It's really showcase-ready. Like, it feels like unveiling an art display to a crowd. That kind of soundtrack. Funny Valentine is probably the most impressive in terms of teamwork. Their voices just kind of knowing when to go after each other, when to follow in the queue. They have this synergy. Marshmallow is the most fun for just surprises, with the R&B choruses but unexpected raps too. Niju, Coconut. I was so pleasantly surprised how much I like this. I've liked some of their stuff before, but never to this extent. This is a really good album. Some of their best work yet. So many fun pop-ops. Lots of synth pop. They have mellower stuff, guitar-focused stuff like raindrops, lots of attitude in songs like Take It, which is kind of Craxy-like, like the girl group Craxy. I think their best are the most out-there quirky ones, though. Like the bass sputtering, sounds like the bass is malfunctioning in All Right. Their risky bets pay off, risky relative to their past work. Clap Clap I could picture as being like a Nyan-heavy twice song, or a Nyan solo b-side. So there's a high-pitched celebration, a summer jam, always followed by moodier R&B stuff or just high-attitude, more sassy stuff. There is a bigger range than they've ever shown before. But yeah, their best are the ones that can't be cleanly defined by genre and the ones that are just electronic instrumental showstoppers like Jump and Prism. As for the coconut video, so fun and so bright. It is Barbie core vibes from that setting, Vacation Barbie time, with a fun purple roller coaster, pink balloons, pink trees. They have these cute gingham outfits and fun plot twist in the fact they're on this little floating planet. So this tropical island party is not just a fun tropical island party, but one floating in the sky. Adai Circle, Adai Circle version up. 
It is so bittersweet to see Luna return to form because I love that they're back. Ari Circle was always my favorite subunit, but they're not back as a team. So it's still bittersweet, but better than nothing. They live on in a fractured way. Hopefully they can do a collab with the other subunits from the other labels, patch something together for at least a, an anniversary song or something someday. Ari Circle, I love that they stick with the sound we came to know and love from the subunit. All the synth distortion, synth-heavy focus, the high-pitched voices, more attitude-driven, dark aesthetic compared to the other Luna subunits. It's so emotional for fans like me to watch the video, though, as they set fire to the classic white sneakers that became such a hallmark of their story, so symbolic for a million reasons we talked about on past episodes of Lunaverse Talk, shameless plug. I mean, there's no ambiguity. They literally sing about setting those shoes on fire and parting with that past. Although they do still have the eye patches, the eye logo, the full moon, some symbolism is not destroyed, but what a symbolic, bittersweet moment with those shoes. It's an interesting mix of plots in this Air Force One video. Like, it's the plot of Not Friends by Luna mixed with Misamos Do Not Touch mixed with an I've choreography-heavy video of some kind. It's really quite a mix of action and moves and fashion and it's a banquet for the ages mixed with classic K-pop parking garage dance scenes. If you're looking for Heejin's cameo, it's at 2.44. The 2.44 mark is where Heejin shows up. It's interesting because they don't explain the scene. They let you decide what it means. But at I Circle, they're either about to kill someone with a sword or they're about to knight them. But they are holding a sword up to someone as this banquet crowd applauds, watching a spectacle and Heejin is front row to watch. I could be not seeing things right, but it seems in this video that Heejin has a magic eye, or like a glass eye, or one eye is intentionally, it doesn't look like a normal human eye. Like she is still playing this android character from the Lunaverse, which I hope is the case, and that she makes future cameos too. Luna was actually asked directly, at a circle or asked, if they hope to continue Lunaverse lore into their solo stuff. And said, quote, our past is implied, but we want you to interpret it as a more mature version of us. We will create a new story, but at the same time, it will also contain the core value of Luna, which is the foundation of our lives as an artist, unquote. A plus for vague, PR-friendly, spoiler-free answer. But yeah, so they say we do make intentional nods to our past, but maybe take old interpretations of new symbols with a grain of salt. So I don't know what to make of it. I really hope they tie in more lore and don't just abandon the incredibly detailed special Lunaverse story they'd spent years cultivating. Anyway, the album has many highlights. Ditto by New Jeans kind of came to mind with My Secret Playlist. It's like a Ditto by New Jeans song, but in a higher pitch with a faster tempo. And then a slowing down tempo for the choruses. It is fluid. It's a cool premise too. It's full of shoutouts to artists on their literal playlists. It's a collage type song. Lucid is a jazzy number for fans of Impurities by Le Seraphim. Their solo lines really go one after the other without missing a beat. They really know how to follow each other up naturally. They're really pros at working together. Love Me Like is very weird with the computer noises and stuff. Then there's Je Ne Sais Quoi, which is for fans of Perfume by NCT Dojejun. They have heavenly high-pitched unison choruses. 
The song is about not knowing why you're attracted to someone. Because the je ne sais quoi phrase in French literally means I do not know what. Like, I don't know why I feel this way, but you just have this certain factor. The je ne sais quoi. I should really use that in more of my write-ups in the future, <laughs> reviewing albums. That some artists, you know what, they just have the je ne sais quoi. The song was co-written by Triple S member Park Sohyun, which makes me also hope that in addition to a Luna group-wide, OG group-wide future video, they can also get Triple S in. Like a massive, all the girls around the world, Paint the Town 2.0, cameo-filled, massive girl power video. Let's make it happen. Lastly, I want to talk about the new girl group I'm really interested in, really invested already in their career, Kiss of Life. Given how much I love Purple Kiss, I guess if your name has the word kiss in it, that's a pretty good sign. I'm really loving this group already. I like that they took a page out of Luna's playbook, New Jeans as well, with the meeting the members one at a time thing. Not just for marketing's sake, it's smart. One at a time have the solo videos and songs come out and then see the whole group come together. But also I think it's just nice for them, for the group members, right out of the gate to know they are trusted to and given permission to be creatively independent, show their individual attributes, what they add individually to the group and feel important. And they all do clearly tell a true-to-them story and show off a distinct personality in the process. My favorite solo is Bell Song Countdown, where she tells a story, basically long story short, about perfectionistic parents and feeling like a failure as a daughter, trying to meet their expectations, feeling nervous about how much the clock is ticking when it comes to growing up and meeting their expectations, the responsibilities they lay out for her, and it's a really just relatable situation that she puts a pop rock spin on. It's a good life motto in there too, with lyrics like, start my rebound, knock down, this is my own ring, let the gloom out, get the groove in, why worry, even if I fall, I just do it again, my endless playground, the world is her oyster, even though she shows nerves at that prospect also. Her message is nuanced, not just, I can't wait to grow up, or the opposite, I'm terrified. Leaning into the nerves and turning them into excitement over potential. I just saw a lot of meaning in her song and story. Then there was a total pivot for the theme of Julie's Kitty Cat. With lyrics like, not your kitty kitty cat, itty bitty brat, shush with your chitty chatty mouth, so sassy, very much don't you dare cross me, and I love a good MC Escher stair painting moment every time that's accidentally a staircase nodded to in a video, or intentionally, either way, I appreciate it. Check out K-pop Times artwork for the episode about that, if you know you know. Julie and Haniel kind of have partner songs, it seems, both about just playing this flirty take charge game, really, with Haniel's play love games, with lyrics like party full of yawns, boring song and dance, play with me, not an obvious newbie, you can't resist, the I'm in control and you know it energy. That's what Julie and Haniel bring. And then Belle and Natty solos are an interesting contrast with Belle's countdown and then Natty's sugarcoat, that message of learning to love yourself and improve your own life. So there's the external focus half the time, then half of them have an internal focus. Personal growth versus the extroverts having fun, basically. Nettie has some great lyrics, like what matters at the end of the day is that I love myself, dancing for myself, don't sugarcoat me, complex is overrated, like don't underestimate or overestimate me, just take me as I am kind of an attitude. 
I'm also just so grateful to see Natty's return because honestly, Teddy Bear was such a bop, but I got worried that it was the end because she had gone so quiet after Teddy Bear. I thought she may have left the industry. I was really disappointed, really waiting for, for Natty's solo return. But she's back and in a group I can see a bright future for. Fingers crossed. There are two group-wide tracks. One is called Shush, spelled S with three H's. Super, super catchy, super sassy, and I'm just obsessed with it. That's a great, strong, debut group-wide song. Then there's By My Neverland, which definitely to me sounds like Welcome to My World by Espa. Very similar sound, and I really love and was pleasantly surprised by the way they talk about Neverland. If you read my Substack and if you listen to my TXT episodes of the show, you know I have really done a whole freaking dissertation worth of talking and writing about the story of Peter Pan and how people often get it wrong or just barely scratch the surface when it comes to really understanding the depth of what the story represents and how Neverland is not representative of this beautiful ignorance is bliss childhood. It's the opposite. It's dark. It's sad. It's a wasteland because you're not growing and improving as a person. You're stuck in limbo and that's actually not ideal. It's a place of broken promises and false starts. When TXT highlight that truer interpretation of the story with their song Farewell Neverland in that whole name chapter Temptation album, the desire to depart this toxic place, that really hit home for me and was very powerful and refreshing to have that interpretation. This delighted me that Kiss of Life went the same way. Narratively, they also sing about Neverland as the dump that it is, the place you want to leave and go somewhere else to really thrive. They sing about leaving, burning their Neverland to the ground, letting the clock start again. Lyrics about not staying where it's super comfortable, stepping outside of their comfort zone to grow as people into adulthood. That's where true magic will happen. Love the message, love that it goes with the my interpretation and personal application of what Peter Pan's story is really, really getting at. And the way they just talk again in a nuanced way. The life we want to live is possible and we're getting towards it, but it isn't here yet. It's still hard, but no fairy tale is real. Those promises should not be bought. Hook, line, and sinker. It's a really well done song, really well written. And my favorite lyric is, A dream that disappeared behind a scared child. Don't close the eyes, now I can make it new. Because that sums it up. Don't close your eyes because you're scared of the world. Don't shield yourself. That actually becomes a cage, a self-imposed limitation, not an armor of protection. Embrace the chance to make a new, better tomorrow. Not just stay stuck living in the same day. So bravo to Kiss of Life for showing their individual strong suit sonically and narratively, and then coming together for a sassy, iconic already in my book, Bop, with Shush, and then the more meaningful group song, By My Neverland. Really excited for the future because if they compacted so many meanings into this six-track release, imagine the multifacetedness they could demonstrate through a full-length album someday. So excited to hear that. That's all for today's Girl Group Special. Thank you all for tuning in, and I will talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody.